The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 11, The Restless Part 3. Before we begin the episode, I want to take a moment to share a couple of updates with you. First, we want you to mark your calendars for October 11th, 2018, because we're teaming up with StoryBar to present Free Range Spirits, a night of live ghost stories on a haunted farm in Austin, Texas. We're also thrilled to have Typewriter Tarot and Cara Cara Brewing Company as partners for this haunting event. And a little secret, Sarah and I just got back from a late night investigation of this farm, and boy is this place perfect for our first live event. I'm not going to give it away, but we had one of the coolest investigations yet on this show. And fingers crossed, we might actually be getting a haunted tour set up for this live event as well. So get your butts out here. It's going to be an amazing night. We're celebrating the end of our first year and gearing up for the start of our second year of the show. Familiar folks featured in the first year's episodes will be in attendance. It'll be at Pioneer Farms, which is a vast historical site with haunts of its very own. So be sure to come and get in the spirit of Halloween with some live ghost stories, a big campfire, music, tarot card readings, and a beautiful country setting like none other. Tickets are on sale now at storybaratx.com, or you can get a link to tickets directly on our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. If you're in the Austin area and have a personal ghost story that would be great for this live event, please email me now at thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. Hurry, because there's not much time left. If we select you as one of our storytellers, you'll not only be featured on the Night Owl Podcast, you're going to get some cool swag from us too. Second, I'm pleased to announce, thanks to my friend and fellow ghost hunter Alexis, the Night Owl Podcast has gained a second editor and will be starting to release two episodes a month in November. Due to our daily lives and regular jobs, Sarah, Alexis, and I can only manage adding campfire episodes, so we won't have investigative episodes twice a month, but there will be at least personal ghost stories told in true Night Owl fashion for you to consume while you eagerly await for the next investigative episode to release. But with adding more episodes, we need more stories. So please help us spread the word about the show and reach out to us. Seriously, email me at thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com about your personal ghost story, and Alexis or I will reach out to you and set up an interview, either in person or via phone. And if you have friends that have good ghost stories, get them to email us as well. We're looking forward to Season 2, and we hope we can see you out at the live event at Pioneer Farms on October 11th. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Blue, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send an email to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, join me and the team as we gear up and travel back to New Braunfels to confront this darker presence oppressing Amanda and Paul once more, discover new physical evidence that Franklin has captured on video, and finally try to enlist the help of a local Native American medicine man. Sarah and I will return two more times before this is all over, and we truly hope we can provide peace for this family so they can regain control of their new home and for once in their time there, get some rest. Stay tuned. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order. So if this is the first episode you're trying out, stop. Go back and start with our very first episode, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. This particular episode is part three of a three-part series. So if you are starting here, you need to go back and start at episode nine, The Restless Part One. 
To quickly recap the last episode, my team and I had determined High MF was something of concern in this New Braunfels residence. It was what we all believed to be the reason behind my sudden sickness during our first visit, and we had found two locations where the levels of EMF were really high. However, the reported activity and location of the high EMF readings didn't explain a lot of the experiences the clients, Amanda and Paul, and even their friends were having. So we brought in our clairvoyant friend, Sarah, just to see if she got any readings. Immediately upon arrival, she discovered two entities. First, the spirit of a Native American woman that seemed to be a peaceful, protective spirit, and another one that felt more malicious and possibly even was inhuman in nature. After pushing this spirit and trying to get answers, Sarah was able to see that the spirit was actually just hiding behind a facade of something darker or stronger, and was really just a man by the name of Zack, who she believed died in his 30s. The night continued to get interesting, and many of the things Sarah was picking up tied directly to the reports and behaviors experienced by the family. The noises, the places Zack liked to roam and hide, and ultimately, it led Sarah to the discovery that this male spirit, Zachary, seemed to be attached to Amanda. Once we made this connection, noises in the home started to grab our attention. We heard a total of four thuds or bangs the remainder of that night, and all these sounds were moving in places we were not at. We all heard them, and we could not explain them. Due to this increase in activity and the negativity we were feeling in the atmosphere, Alexis decided to perform a copal cleansing in the house, and to all, it seemed to fill the place with positivity and possibly even eliminate this oppressing spirit, Zach. We left Amanda and Paul feeling better, but knew that we might need to return to perform a more traditional Native American cleansing if we were able to obtain someone with the knowledge to do so. To all of us, it appeared based on what Sarah was getting that this Native American protective spirit was saying this type of ceremony was necessary to completely get rid of this negative entity. But it wasn't until the next morning, when I checked in on Amanda to see how their night had gone, that I got the terrible news. Um, it was definitely um, a night for sure. I mean, we we woke up just over and over and over and over and over and over. And, and uh, him and I didn't compare notes until this morning. I asked him how he slept, and he was like, I just slept like hell, and um, woke up, just kept waking up and, and uh, kept hearing all these knocking sounds. And I was like, yep. When I opened my eyes, I saw like a figure, but it wasn't like a, a complete figure. It was more of like a big thing of just dark um, standing by my side of the bed, which is behind that door mm-hmm. in the hallway. And then I'd fall back asleep a little bit, and I'd wake up again, and it would be standing at towards the end of my bed by the closet. It just sounds a little um, odd. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think this is something either that I couldn't see because Zach was, I mean, Zach was really strong, extremely upset, and that's what I was focusing on. I really didn't pay attention to the rest of the stuff that was going on besides him and that girl. So now that we've kind of, because he was, I'm pretty positive he was down. Yeah, so after I'm, we did the ceremony? Yeah. So if there's something else that's there, number one, we know it's not, not too bad right now. But two, it could be something else. Now that I'll probably be able to pick up now that Zach is gone. Shortly after getting this upsetting news from Amanda, I got on the phone with my team. We all decided it would be best to act quickly and revisit them as soon as possible. Alexis was out of town, but Franklin and Sarah were ready to go. She had a plan, 
She wanted to see what she could see, if Zack was still in fact there or if something else was going on now. A few days had passed before we could get over there, and in that time I was checking in daily with Amanda, and the good news was that the activity seemed to be subsiding as each day passed. But before venturing back to New Braunfels, I wanted to discuss some things with Alexis and Franklin, to get their take on some things that were on my mind. First, I kept thinking about the copal cleansing Alexis had performed. Everyone in the house felt positive. Alexis has performed this cleansing successfully many times before, so I wanted to get his thoughts on the negative experiences the clients had had the night that we left and felt things were better. That night, what I did is just a basic cleansing with copal, which is a tree resin that we use in the tradition, specifically the Mexica, Maya, and Mexico tradition. And the purpose of that is, as it burns, it's like kind of like a sap almost, it's like, but really, really hard. As it burns, it creates smoke. That smoke is used to purify the area and remove things from the area. Two things, though. One, again, this was not my kit. So we were having some issues with the actual charcoal not wanting to light. And two, even after it lit, it was not staying on very well. It was not a good, heavy smoke. Literally, when you do these cleansings, there should be so much smoke that you have to open a window. This was a very light, as if we had just lit an an incense stick and just kind of walked around the house. Very, very light. Great for already cleansed houses that you just want to remove the last of that negativity out. Fantastic for that. Not great for a full cleansing. But that's all we had. And I think my, my theory on it is... It did kind of get rid of the bad stuff for a while, but it also kind of just pushed it out for a little bit and then allowed it to come back. And when it came back, that entity or whatever was pissed, was more pissed. And that's, to me, that's exactly what happened is it came back and it was like, you think you can get rid of me that easily? And I'll show you, you know. But then I believe you said that afterwards they didn't really have too much issues with it. And so the thing I can think of is that maybe it was just kind of its final hurrah before it realized, like, look, I just got to go. I got to move on before something else happens or they try to really get rid of me. And this happens a lot even with other famous cases where uh, demonologists and other people have come in and cleaned houses. And it it's great for like a few months or a few days. And then all of a sudden it just comes back with a vengeance and then it just goes away again because... I mean, this isn't an exact science. Nobody knows how to do this, you know, professionally. This is something that we've just been taught by our elders on how to remove these energies and fix these things. And that's essentially what we did. And the other reason I feel like it didn't work completely is because even the Native American spirit there had mentioned that this needed to be done with certain herbs, which we did not have. Something else I hadn't really brought up that night that we brought Sarah to Nebronfels was how Amanda and Paul had already fixed the junction box that was previously emitting high EMF. And in talking with Franklin, I remembered this fact. It made me think about the noises we all heard, and then the increased activity Amanda and Paul experienced after we left. And it couldn't be tied to the EMF levels because, quite simply, there weren't any. It had already been fixed. So on our second uh, visit, Amanda had told us that she uh, took our concerns about the EMF in the junction box and she immediately had the junction box replaced. And upon inspection with the EMF detector, 
it in fact was much, much lower. Before, the needle on the EMF protector was over, it would not leave 100, it was just maxed out. I'm pretty sure if it went above higher than 100, it would have just kept going to who knows what number. But this number um, with the newer box was much, much lower, between 30 and 40. Also, after leaving that night, Franklin pointed out that he had captured video footage of a shadow he could not explain. The shadow was captured by a GoPro video. I have a GoPro video running in the living room, or the dining room rather, pointing towards the living room, and you can see in full view there is nobody in the room. And in the top left-hand corner, diagonally from left, diagonally from the fan, you're going to see this shadow object pass by and then pass by back again very rapidly. Now, what could this be? I don't know fully. Um, When we went back, I spent uh, a good chunk of time trying to recreate this event. We stood in the hallway, we stood by the island, we walked around over and over and over again, seeing where the shadow was captured on the ceiling, trying to recreate it. And we were successfully able to recreate it, just like in the video. The only problem is, is you can fully see us in the video walking around in plain view, recreating the shadow, where in the original video, nobody is in the room. So how could this have happened? Well, there's only one real answer, and that answer is someone had to be standing by the island to create this shadow artifact on the ceiling. The only problem is, is there's nobody there. The team and I got good news before Franklin, Sarah, and I were to head back to New Braunfels. Alexis, with the help of a colleague of ours, Alberto, was put in touch with a church who then connected us with a Native American medicine man or elder. Alexis had only spoken with this man's wife over the phone, and she was trying to get all the information she could to her husband to see if he, in fact, was able and willing to help us out. You kind of explained to them the situation, I'm assuming, and then then did anything line up? Did they say, like, oh, that makes sense or anything like that? Well, I spoke with about the situation because her husband actually does work these types of cleansings and can do these types of things that he was taught by his grandfather and can actually go and do them himself. And he is a Native American elder, so he would do it traditionally and would do everything that needs to be done for the clients if they wanted to get it done. The Texas stage more than likely was correct because... If it was a local tribe member, they would be using the local plants, and that is the Texas sage, literally the local sage. So more than likely, that would definitely help. The other thing she talked about was, and this is something kind of that was kind of like a wake-up call for me, because I need to remember this a little bit more so, and I think we all kind of do when we work with these situations, is that we need to do this cleansing not so much so for the clients, but more so for the spirit, because it's the spirit that is essentially trapped there. The spirit is trapped in its own negativity. She even gave the example, perhaps maybe the spirit had committed suicide, or they died of a drug overdose, or maybe they even drowned, or something violent. So in that situation, that spirit is lost and kind of stuck and has attached itself possibly to Amanda because 
it is so confused and it doesn't know what to do. So it sees something that it's attracted to and attaches itself to that person. And so she mentioned several times when I was talking to her that, you know, it's important to do this cleansing, not just for the clients, but more so for the spirit, so that the spirit can cross over and no longer be stuck in this existence, essentially, or stuck in this house. So eventually I had to hop on a call with them and see if I could get them to agree to come and do the cleansing in New Braunfels. It took a little bit of convincing, but after talking with the medicine man and his wife over the phone, sharing Amanda and Paul's situation with them, they agreed to come and cleanse the house in the tradition of their ancestors. They wouldn't be able to come until Sunday, which was still a couple of days away, so Franklin, Sarah, and I were going to go back to New Braunfels to see if Sarah could help in any way in the meantime until the medicine man could get there and perform the cleansing. 6.40 p.m. on May 17th, and we're going back into the house just to check up on things. Sarah, what's going on? What are you seeing already? At this moment, I had noticed Sarah was staring at the front window with a look on her face. Zach's in the window. No, really? He's having a wonderful time. Although he's nice and different a little bit. He's what? He's doing He looks a little different. So let's see. Okay. It was just Amanda home today. Paul was actually at work. She greeted us at the door and invited us in. So let's tell me what's been going on. Um, Friday night after you guys left, um, Paul was making a snack in the kitchen, and I was washing my face in the walkthrough bathroom on either side. And he just goes, "Didn't you just call my name?" I was like, "Nope, wasn't me." And he goes, wait, you're on that side of the house. I thought you were over here-ish. Was it a woman's voice? He said he couldn't tell. It was um, garbly, but it's definitely his name. It's like if I, he said if I was like real sick or something, maybe. And then we went to bed. And when I was laying there, I felt like a, I thought my, something was like in my hair. So I kept like... Fussing, fussing with that. And then um, while we're sleeping, just knock, 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 knock. And usually we hear slams, but it was definitely like knock, 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 knock all over the walls for me. And when I woke up, I saw a big black shadow the size of a man standing on my side of the bed, which is closest to this door. Yeah, that's my side of the bed standing right there. And then I was just like, ah, I go back to sleep. And then the knocking... And I'd wake up and it was standing at the end of my bed by the closet and like so on and so forth, like all through the night. At one point I felt it touching my face, but the annoyance, like all night we got really terrible sleep. Yeah. Last four days though. Has it been calm? So the last few days you said it's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been quiet. Um, Without you here. It was hard to hear her over Sarah's voice, but... Amanda flat out came out and asked, is he still here? And Sarah nodded back to her. Amanda was by herself today. Paul wasn't home. I wanted to try to reassure her with what some of the things that Sarah had been talking about before we entered. Energy's different though. The energy is a lot different, which I'm happy with, completely happy with. And I think it's different because we just invited so many positive people in mm-hmm. that he's kind of Calm in a down. corner. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's been cornered just a bit. 
Mm. Um, but what I want to do is remove that tether. That's what I'm aiming for today. Because if I can remove the tether when they come on Sunday, he will probably go with them. Okay, I'm grabbing Sarah's notebook and we're going back into the bedroom for a ceremony. Here you go, Sarah. Do you need me out of here or is it okay? For like two minutes. Yeah. I just need to make sure we open the door and we're okay. a little safe. I'm going to leave this just right here. Sure. Sarah remained in the bedroom and eventually she came back out and I had her explain what she had just performed. So this it's just a way that I open doors and channel. I channel through light. Um, so that way they have a way to pass through me, pass energy, but it gets trapped all in one space so that they're not everywhere. Um, it's almost getting them to focus on the light first and then they can start talking to me freely. But it's really interesting that he came in and immediately positioned himself right behind that door and he was just kind of there for a little while trying to figure out what I was doing until I started talking to him. And I was like, so what's changed? What's different? Why do you look different? He's giving me more images of him being a little bit more calm, a little bit frightened, almost like I know I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing, kind of. But I can't stop myself, you know, I'm just kind of doing it. But he understands, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, scaring them or I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do. But that, I don't think that was his intent. His intent was to try to get a message across and he thought that she would be able to hear him. So more, more of the messaging is for Amanda that, she's, that he's, you know, just sorry for doing that. Um, but I did break the tether. So I'd like to do the limpia on her, see how that works and then see what happens on Sunday. Okay, we're going into the bedroom. You want her standing or laying? I'm laying down. Okay. So this is the weird thing. I'm going to pass. Sarah was explaining the egg cleansing or limpia she was about to perform over Amanda. This is an ancient spiritual practice where an egg is passed over a person while a prayer is recited, and it's commonly used to cleanse the body, mind, and soul of negativity. The egg is then cracked into a glass of water and then placed under the person's bed. Please under your bed until tomorrow. Sarah gave Amanda instructions that in the morning when she awoke to take a picture of the egg in the glass and send it to me. After she took the photograph, she was to salt the egg with regular table salt, then flush the egg down the toilet. So everything felt good? Yeah, it did. It didn't feel bad. I was literally thinking we were going to walk into some chaos, but I mean, it seemed chilled out yeah. a little bit. I was a little concerned initially when we walked in that he was like right on her. Yeah, he was right there he by her. He was like right on her. And I was like, wow, what are you doing that? But I think he did that because he got cornered. There's just too many people in her house now, not enough space. Sarah had performed two cleansings while we were there. The first, using a candle and a cup of sand, which she said was to break the tether Zach had connected to Amanda. The second was the egg limpia, to remove all the negative energy surrounding Amanda and fully separate Zach from her. Sarah felt good about what she witnessed in the house and was confident that Sunday, when the Native American medicine man performed his ceremony, Zach would be gone for good. Sarah also mentioned that the house was full of positive energy. She felt that this was a result of the Copal and Palo Santo cleansings we had done with Alexis. 
Sarah now believed that Zack fought back that night out of anger and frustration, but that the cleansings had actually helped the Native American female spirit gain more strength and had also invited other positive spirits, like Amanda's grandmother, and to Sarah's surprise, more Native American spirits as well. She believed that they were feeling the oncoming ceremony, or maybe a better word for it, oncoming storm, on Sunday. It's Sunday, May 20th, at about 7 p.m., and it's actually been storming and raining in Austin and also New Braunfels throughout the day, so about to make my way in, but it's raining, so I'm going to shut the recorder off for just a brief moment. Amanda was home, but she didn't hear me knock on the front door. I was waiting for Sarah and her husband Renee to arrive. They were running late due to the storm, so I just hung out on the front porch for a bit, enjoying the rain, contemplating all that had happened so far. Sadly, Franklin and Alexis couldn't be here today. Paul was working, but was going to arrive in about an hour. And eventually, Amanda saw that I had texted her I was on the front porch, so she joined me outside for a smoke. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Everything feeling okay? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I've slept well. You have? Yeah. Um, over the, the time we've been here, it doesn't stay quiet for incredibly long. And so, like, I'm kind of scared to get comfortable in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, like, try on this, like, relaxed suit, you know? <laughs> like, trying to feel, feel that out and let it ride. I'm down with uh, double, triple checking, just so I can wear my relaxation suit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, keep it on. All right, well, Sarah and Renee just arrived. <laughs> Did you guys have a safe drive? Yeah. Did y'all make it through without hitting too much rain? It didn't start raining until we got Like here, rain. right? Yeah. yeah. How are y'all? Good. How you doing, Renee? Hi. Good to see you. How are you? Thanks for making the drive out here. <laughs> oh, hi. Come on in. Sure. Did you ever find out what... My egg said. Your uh, egg, yes, the results of your egg. So it was just showing that you did have an attachment, but it wasn't, I think because I had already broken the tether, it wasn't as strong as I had anticipated it was going to come back being. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, but right now, like, I'm trying to figure out, is he running around here? Was he outside? I haven't seen him yet. So I don't know. Cool. He's either just not here or... Waiting a little bit, see what's going to happen. I don't know, but I don't see him at all. The medicine man and his wife had arrived. They were out front preparing for the ceremony. A quiet took over the house. Everyone was now waiting patiently to see what was going to be performed. Meanwhile, Sarah was noticing some things. She had noticed a gathering of Native American spirits outside of the house upon arriving tonight. She had also seen this gathering on the previous visit when she performed the egg cleansing over Amanda. But now the crowd was growing bigger, and at this moment, they were pushing their way into the house. There's a lot of excitement. It's like uh, hearing, um, you know, being in a noise room. That's what it feels like. So I'm trying to filter it out. It's really hard. Mostly just noise, though, not visuals? Oh, I mean, there's visuals. (laughs) They're everywhere. But now it's just uh, to get them to stop. I can't understand what they're saying, and they're trying to get through me, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I have no idea. The medicine man and his wife had moved to the front porch and seemed to be preparing to enter the house shortly. Just then, Sarah spotted Zach in the house for the first time. He can't get away from me. There's too many people here. Where's he at? They're corralling him over, over there. I just was like, where is he going? 
But he showed up now? He's here now. And a little bit nervous. Amanda was seeing Zach corralled in the corner of the living room. Meanwhile, Paul had arrived, so I stepped over to chat with him while we waited for the Native American elder and his wife to enter the house. Paul, how, how have things been with you? Okay. Everything's been okay? Yeah, pretty much. Did you notice a decline in like activity at all? I have ever since the, the last time y'all were here, um, and then especially since the egg thing hasn't been bad or anything. I'm more focused on just trying to get flowers in the backyard for for somebody. When Sarah initially visited the house and did her first investigation there, she'd gotten an image repeatedly from the Native American spirit of a yellow flower. She couldn't tell what kind of flower it was, but she was assuming that this spirit really liked it. And she told Paul about it and that it might be something that he should consider planning for her. I'm just hearing a lot of like music singing. Sorry, Zach. You're not going to go anywhere. I think he's waiting, just like everyone else is. At this moment, I stepped out to check on the Native American medicine man and his wife. I hadn't actually met them personally yet. I'd only spoken with them on the phone. However, we had made an agreement that I was not to record the ceremony. It's a sacred practice and tradition, and to document it and share it publicly would take away from its sacredness. So here... I turned off my recorder, and it remained off to the remainder of the ceremony. It kills me not to be able to have this beautiful ceremony captured on audio, especially for a show like this, a podcast that features spirituality and the supernatural. But it was more important for me to preserve these traditions and these cultures. This medicine man and his wife kindly stepped outside of their own community to help another group of people, a group of strangers. So without question, I wanted to honor their wishes. From here on out, I'm going to do my best to relay what I witnessed along with the events that unfolded the rest of the night. It was around 8 p.m. and the sun was almost set. The storm was clearly passing now, but the thunder continued to rumble on in the distance. As I'd mentioned, Sarah was the first to notice that something was different. There was an intimidating number of Native American spirits that had gathered outside the home she took notice of when her and Renee had arrived. Now... That same gathering began pushing their way into the house. Intuitively, she assumed that the medicine man had arrived. He, in fact, had and was preparing things out by his truck. Soon, Sarah couldn't hide her anxiety with all that she was witnessing. Renee tended to her as we could all see she was physically overwhelmed by something only she could see, the crowd of spirits entering the house. This is when she eventually noticed Zach, who suddenly appeared to be corralled in the corner of the living room. She said he looked nervous and weaker than she'd ever seen him. Sarah also pointed out that she was seeing two very large, warrior-like Native American men standing guard at the front door and back door of the house. I obviously couldn't see any of this, but the energy in the house was definitely changing. I started to feel what Sarah was saying next about all these spirits. She said, They've been waiting for this. It was in the air. A feeling of something bigger. Something that we were going to experience that we never have and probably never will ever experience again in our lives. It all felt positive except for one thing. My mind went back to the words that the medicine man had told Alexis and I. That the ceremony was not for Amanda and Paul, 
wasn't for us or this show. It was for the spirits. And as Sarah described Zachary, cornered in the living room, fearful, nervous, and apologetic, my thoughts went to him. If his spirit was real and he was in this house, what really happened to him in life? Why was he here doing all these things to this family? Was what the elder suggested true? Could Zach have had a troubled life or tragic death that left him stuck, angry, unable to move on? In this moment, standing in the dining room with Amanda, Paul, Renee, and Sarah, my feelings towards Zach changed for the first time on this case. I now felt sympathy toward him. And I honestly hope that this ceremony might bring peace not only to all these gathering Native American spirits, but to Zach as well. The medicine man and his wife now entered the house. They stepped past the living room and into the kitchen, directly across from us behind the kitchen island. They were burning something in a traditional clay instrument. It resembled Alexis Copaletto, which is a large clay chalice used to burn herbs or incense. The medicine man and his wife were very quiet. I couldn't tell if this was the seriousness of the ceremony or their personalities, but we too were focused and very quiet. We just watched as they carried the smoking chalice and a few other items they had over to the island, then set them all down. They stood on the side of the island with their backs to the counter so that they could face us. We were all in the dining room, directly across from the island that they had now set up as an altar. The medicine man spoke with a calm, deep voice and introduced himself and his wife. He explained what was going to happen and gave a brief history of his heritage and his people. His people were Navajo, or as they prefer to be called by their original name, Dene, which means the people. The first part of the ceremony would be in English, and he would have each of us speak to how we were connected to this case or the spirits. Then he would begin the ceremony in prayer, which would be done in his native language of Dene. We were all asked to stand up one at a time and speak our piece. Then he instructed us to open every single door in the house, including the two doors leading outside. At this time, I wondered now if that's why these two warrior-like spirits that Sarah reported seeing were stationed there. To keep Zach from leaving during the ceremony, perhaps? Once all the doors were open, the medicine man began the ceremony by praying and burning something in the chalice. His wife assisted him by carrying items along with him as he carried the smoking chalice throughout the house. He left the kitchen and traveled directly down the hallway to the spare bedroom, then the master bedroom. He asked us to remain in the dining room. As he went into the master bedroom, I noticed Sarah started talking with the spirit in the hall. She was sitting by me and I asked her about what she was seeing. She said she was talking with Zachary. She told me he was apologizing, asking her to tell Amanda and Paul sorry. She said he also showed her an image of Paul looking strong. I heard Sarah telling him he could go now. She said he disappeared upward and was gone. The medicine man and his wife eventually made it back around to us. He informed us that he needed to do an exterior cleansing of the property as well, so we remained inside as he and his wife did this. When they went outside, I asked Sarah if she was noticing anything else. She said that the other spirits were all making offerings on the altar when the medicine man began the prayer earlier, and that the Native American female spirit that was tied to this house was walking side by side with the medicine man throughout the whole ceremony, as if she was assisting or a part of it. When the medicine man and his wife were done with the exterior, they returned everything to the altar in the kitchen island. In English, he communicated what he'd just done. It was then that these two things that Sarah had reported to me during the ceremony seemed to have some significance now. The medicine man explained that when he started his prayers in the native language of Dene, he was asking the spirit to stop what he was doing, telling him that he could be forgiven 
and that he now had a chance to move on. He said he was saying this as he made his way into the master bedroom. It was interesting that at this moment, Sarah had had that brief moment with Zachary where he came and apologized and then seemed to move on. The medicine man was speaking in Diné, so there was no way that Sarah could have known what he was saying in this exact moment. Then, the medicine man went on to explain that since there was a Native American female spirit that seemed to be tied to this property, before entering the home, he had asked the spirit to guide this ceremony and assist with the prayer. Again, this also seemed to correlate with the fact that Sarah was watching this female spirit walk with the medicine man the entire ceremony, inside and outside. At the end, the medicine man performed individual cleansings on each of us. He used an instrument made of eagle feathers and ran them up and down our bodies and tapped the feathers on certain areas of our bodies as well. He spoke in Diné, but I caught a few words he spoke in English during my personal prayer. He said something like, Guide Stephen as he continues to seek out troubled spirits and tries to help them. The whole thing was something special, something only those of us in the room will ever truly remember. After it was done, I asked him if I could see what they had burned for the ceremony. It was, in fact, sage and dried cedar. They took a little of this out and showed it to me. I snapped a picture of it with my phone. What was very interesting was that the dried cedar does, in fact, resemble the dried herb like oregano, which was something Sarah was shown by this Native American female spirit on her first visit there. The medicine man and his wife stayed behind to hear Sarah recount all that she had witnessed during the ceremony. They remained quiet most of the time and nodded often as Sarah mentioned some of the things that she was seeing, such as the gathering of Native Americans, the offerings that they began to make on the altar, and especially the note she had about the Native American female spirit walking with the elder throughout the entire ceremony. The elder spoke up and mentioned he felt there was possibly a Native American burial ground in this area, and that the gathering of people would be those spirits hoping for a chance to move on. A ceremony like this doesn't come around very often. We had informed him and his wife about the yellow flowers that the female spirit kept showing Sarah on her visits, and the elder's wife revealed something new to us that was quite surprising. She said while her and her husband were finishing the cleansing on the exterior of the property, just outside the spare bedroom window, on the far side of the house, she smelt something that resembled anise. This is a smell very common with the Mexican marigold flower, which is in fact yellow. They weren't aware of this fact yet, but from our visits, Sarah continued to state that this Native American spirit seemed to predominantly reside in that spare bedroom. When it was all done, we said goodbye to the medicine man and his wife, and all stepped outside to the back patio to reflect on everything that had just happened. I wanted to hear Amanda and Paul's final thoughts on everything. I feel good about having a, comp- a, a compassionate resolution as opposed to uh, just like a, a staunch eviction. I feel, I feel good about that, that um, it's a good resolution. Uh, but I'm just so incredibly grateful that that complete strangers now that I would like to consider friends took their time away from their loved ones and from their lives and and, and came all this way to help total strangers. And um, I'm, I can't ever be more grateful for that. Paul, this this started off as, you know, I you know, you you told me this is not something you typically would jump to believing in and you still were having trouble with that issue. Um, now that this is all kind of coming to an end, hopefully, where, where do you stand on that issue? All I know is I don't know, so and that's the way I felt for years, so I just, I'm going to keep on trucking that way. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, so I'm not, I'm not saying I don't believe, I'm just saying I don't know. I don't know what it is. 
let's let's be fair, man. I mean, I, I saw what I saw, and I still just. What would it take to make you believe? I mean, there's something. I mean, I didn't lose sleep for a year for nothing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Thanks. What do you feel? What's the end? How do you feel about this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it feels good. There's not a big combination of people anymore, which is really neat. Everybody's kind of just gone. And I mean, not completely. There's a few, but I think the few are just the ones that are still debating whether they want to go or not. And that's cool. Uh, but the, definitely the ones we wanted to go at. So that's a good thing. Zach is not here. And the girl inside, what was the final... She's still in there. I mean, she's really elated, like super happy. So I think she just wanted to have her own, you know, her own culture, her own feel, her own thing here. And it helped ground her a little bit more, which is good. So I think her intent is to, to just stay, but to keep them safe. And that's good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I think it's almost almost been a month. Has things been okay? Have things been good? Oh, man. Night and day. Okay. Like, it's, we're sleeping like champs. The house feels great. Um, I feel like I have my house for the very first time. That's really good to hear. It's, it's good to, to be in it. <laughs> do you feel you're entirely alone now, or do you feel like something's, or some, the more positive spirit might have hung around? Oh, no. She's still here, for sure. Um, I don't see her as overtly as I did before, but there'll be times where, like, I'll see her peripherally, and then um, I know she's, like, standing there. I don't know, it sounds weird, but uh, directly after um, everything was said and done with, um, my eldest dog uh, got real sick. So especially, like, around then, I would see her around. Um, my name is Laurie Jasinski, and I'm a native of New Braunfels. I'm a writer and researcher. I've worked for the Texas State Historical Association and have also authored a book called Hill Country Backroads about recreation history in this area. Regarding Native American history and the early groups, one of the groups that the pioneers who first founded New Braunfels in 1845, the main group that they encountered were the Tonkawas. And the Tonkawas traditionally have thought to be one of the groups native to this area that go back many centuries. Historically, they were thought to be a long, long time tribe in central Texas. And the Tonkawas were hunter-gatherers. They were fairly nomadic. They would move from place to place in the smaller groups. I have a passage I can read from the New Braunfels Sesquicentennial Minutes. For one date, March 31st of 1845, it says the Lieutenant Oscar von Claren with a contingent of colonists visited the Tonkawa Indian encampment. There were about 500 men, women, and children in the camp. Wigwams were of horse hides, circular, and some 20 or more feet in diameter. Inside one large tent, there were four men rattling pebble-filled gourds while one beat a small kettle drum. To this music, they sang a monotonous how, how, how. Several squaws were tanning deer hides. So the Tonkawas, as I said, were hunter-gatherers, often fairly poverty-stricken. They were never very threatening to other groups or to settlers. In fact, for the most part, 
the early settlers on New Braunfels lived in peace with the Tonkawas. It's hard to say for certain, but maybe this Native American spirit in Amanda and Paul's house did bring all this together. Maybe this is her land. Maybe she helped us all realize that there's more to hauntings than just scary noises and restless nights. That there are people behind the hauntings. Spirits that were once alive and just need our help. see photographs from the series and video footage that Franklin captured of the shadow, visit our blog on our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. You can find tons of behind-the-scenes extras for each episode here. And also remember to visit our Patreon page, if you haven't already, and consider becoming a Night Owl patron. A special thank you goes out there to all my current patrons. Your recurring monthly contributions help keep the show going and improving. Don't forget to check out all the exclusive extra content on our Patreon page that only you as a patron have access to. I want to thank my two wonderfully talented musician friends, Nicholas Fair and P.D. Wilder, for providing the music for the show. Please show your support for their amazing work by visiting their websites. Links to them can be found at thenightoutpodcast.com under our credits page. I'd also like to thank the medicine man and his wife for their incredible generosity and willingness to come help complete strangers. They both wish to remain anonymous, so I can't share their names here, but what they did, we are all truly thankful for. Thanks for listening to episode 11 of the Night Owl Podcast. If you're not already, find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here I post a lot about upcoming episodes, and you get sneak peeks and behind-the-scenes photographs of each location. And as always, make sure to go to our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. Stay restless out there, and we'll see you next time. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.